Hey, I'm Russ. And I'm Steve. Growing up in the 80s, we were introduced to video games, movies, and technology that made a lasting impression on us and forever enriched our lives. I think I'm gonna cry! It's been a fascinating journey to be a part of, one that we constantly treasure. Fire! Booty! Our goal is simple. Share our magical moments of discovery and geek out with lovely folks. Just like you! Uh, achievement unlocked! So if you crave pixel goodness, memorable moments, and experiences that make your inner child do the happy dance, you've come to the right place. Let's do this! Welcome to Joygasm! <laughs> yeah! Welcome back to Joygasm, where we talk about video games, movies, and pop culture. My name is Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and joining me is my social diseased-free brother, Steve, <laughs> Xbox Live steve as we begin episode 34 on this August 19th. 2017. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to show us some love, you can find us on Twitter at JoygasmTV and Facebook.com slash JoygasmTV. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash JoygasmTV or search JoygasmTV on YouTube. And no matter which platform you use to consume the show, please drop us a subscription, thumbs up, or review. It helps us build awareness, which we appreciate very much. We have... A blue blur of a show for you today. In video game news, we check out the latest Overwatch news expected at Gamescom, the Platoon 2 Switch bundle, and Crackdown 3. Movie news is filled to the brim with Deadpool 2, Shazam, Movie Pass, Making Waves, the movie It, Mission Impossible 6, Wonder Woman, and a brand new standalone Star Wars movie. Our topic of the day is Sonic Mania Impressions, but first things first, Steve, how the heck are you? Hey! Uh, <laughs> it's I'm been so long! <laughs> ah, Russ. It's good to see you. Mm. Feelings mutual on this side of the uh, table. <laughs> I like talking to you, you know? I like looking at you. I, I, like, I like actually what we talk about, too. Oh, well, hey, that, that's a plus. <laughs> Be a little I, awkward if it was the opposite. You know, I have to get a thought off my mind, Russ. And it's in regards to the <laughs> previous show. Oh. See, last time we were talking about all these microtransactions and the pros and the cons. Mm -hmm. I remember it fondly. Uh, and, I, and I talk a lot about Clash Royale. Mm. That you do. Yes, indeed. One thing that frustrates the crap out of me is they... Supercell has this sort of algorithm where if you pay a bunch, mm -hmm. they will, and this is not proven, but it's talked about constantly in the forums and in my clan, and they have, and Supercell has said nothing about it. So it's not like yes or no, but anyway, what happens is they'll let you win, you know, of course, you know, everyone has their own cards and their counter to certain attacks and uh -huh. plays and whatnot, defenses. But what'll happen is if you pay gems, you know, to either upgrade your cards faster or to do separate challenges, which sure. is that how they make their money, which is absolutely fine. The more you pay them, the more they will kind of set you up with people who have less defenses to cards that you have. So you're like, you're a little bit handicapped, not totally handicapped. So they're trying to balance it out. Exactly. So if you pay nothing like my cheap ass, um, <laughs> then every once in a while, um, 
what'll happen is I'll get up to a certain trophy count and then I'll lose like six in a row. And then I'm going, ah, oh! and then they go, okay, we'll place them back in the, in this other realm. And then I'll start to win again. And it happens on the regular and everybody notices it and Supercell hasn't said anything about it, but you know, it's a free game. They mm-hmm. got to make their money. But I mean, that that's one of the aggravating things about it. <sighs> Rant over. I'm good now, Ross. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie is your sounding board. What it out. Oh, man. So what games have you been playing? Uh, just my daily Overwatch dose. My uh, my enjoy- Overwatch dose? Yeah, I have to get a dose of Overwatch in every day. Oh, I thought you said dose like in an Overwatch 2. Oh, yeah, dose. I thought you were like- tapping into the old Espanol. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my, my bad. Uh, I know. I got to get an injection. My dose is an injection of Overwatch uh, a day. Well, especially if you say it the way you're supposed to say it. It does sound like you're getting a Overwatch. It's more like it. If I had your glasses on, I'd probably fog them up when I said that. Um, (laughs) It's funny. When I was in... uh, It's called a monocle. Uh, when I was in the spawn point once, when we were waiting all to get out there, you know, the uh-huh. 30 second countdown, I was uh, McCree and I was just punching stuff to break it, you know, whatever, wasting time. And I punched you one of the- promised me <laughs> we could break something. <laughs> I think I was on Eli. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Elios Lighthouse. And I, I punched one of the basketballs. It was kind of like, dunk, yeah. dunk, and I punched it at this, uh, at, right after I punched it. Uh, it was going up towards the basket and I thought, ah, I'm going to miss again. I've never made the basket. And at some point, Reinhardt was just like swiping his hammer uh-huh. and he hit the the ball as right as it was coming down before the basket and ricocheted off and hit the basket. Oh, a little, uh, yeah. little assist. I was going to say assist. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. Oof. that doesn't sound quite right. <laughs> oh boy. Well, that's uh, cool. I have, and I've also never gotten the basketball into the hoop and I play Farah, as you well know, and I keep using my concussion, concussion. Man, I'm just man. Concussion I'm going to give you a concussion rocket. I'm going to cuss you right off the side. Man, seriously. I like using my concussion rocket to try and get a bit more bounce with the basketball, and it will cause it to just go everywhere, but I have yet to have the famed confetti explode. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if... I still don't know. Since it didn't really... I don't know if it gave me full credit for it or not. I don't know if you get any credit, period. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if it did, it probably went to Reinhardt because he was the last one to touch it. But I didn't get anything. I just, you know, the whistle went off and the confetti and whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. I do have an announcement to make, though, Rose. You're pregnant. Uh, pregnant of loot boxes, yes. <laughs> uh, by next episode, I will have opened them all. Really? So yes. you actually started to I open them? I have not them? started. No, I am up to 88. Oh my gosh. I'm up to 88. So I'll give you a full report of what has been received mm-hmm. by next episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned, Brad. I'm very curious. <laughs> I imagine you'll be burned out of opening loot boxes the next I time won't. I see you. No, I'm going to have a freaking... Um... But before I, uh, you know, keep on going, Russ, I mean, I, I did watch a movie last night, but I want to hear from your ass. I know. Please continue. I'm curious. What movie did you watch? Well, I watched The Free State of Jones. I have not heard of that. I don't think it was that popular, but I did enjoy the movie. It's uh, Matthew McConaughey. Oh. All right. <laughs> uh, 
And the uh, gentleman whose name I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce because I'm going to butcher it, but mm-hmm. it's Remy from uh, from House yep. of Cards. That yep. guy, I, I he's in this movie, and I'm like, finally, I get to see a movie with this guy in it. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's it's a really it's it's a very interesting movie. It's set in that in the Civil War period. Uh huh. And uh, if I were to give you a quick summary, basically, um, <laughs> I feel like a nigga Montoya. Let me explain. No, I'll take too long. <laughs> Let me sum up. <laughs> I forgot about that line. That was good. Um, no, that will take too long. Let me sum up. So a lot of people think that the Civil War is based like solely on slavery. <coughs> uh, excuse me, man. I can't, had to cough. I was getting like some saliva. And I was caught in my esophagus. Um, and though it was based on the institution of slavery, there was many other complexities that happened within the South where cotton was like the blood running veins of the, of the, of the, of their movement basically. Mm -hmm. Right. So you had the South that was selling cotton, like crazy money to Britain and Britain was paying them like 200% of what it was worth. So they was feeling their economy in the South plus feeling their military. Right. Mm -hmm. So the South themselves were like, okay, a lot of us don't even want slavery to happen. We don't want the institution period. And, uh, we're basically fighting, uh, a rich man's war for cotton when none of us even have, or not a lot of us don't have slaves and don't want slaves. So why are we fighting this war? And a lot of folks went, we're done. We'd rather, uh, we'd rather secede from the South who is trying to secede from the, the, the nation, right? From the North. What is this movie called? Uh, the free state of Jones. Uh, when did this come out? Uh, I think it was 2015 or 2016. Okay. Anyway. Um, so ergo, that's where this movie takes place. It's this guy's going, my friends and my neighbors are all dying basically. So everybody else can, uh, force slavery and force the, this tie to Britain. And we're trying to be our own nation. Right. And this is all happening like, you know, 1860 between 1860, 1865. So ergo, um, you just said that again. I know. Ergo. That's Steve's word of the week, ladies and gentlemen. I'm ergoing my ergo. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be, I'm ergoing my ergo. Anyhow. uh, Whether you want to or not. (laughs) So anyhow, that's where this movie takes place. And so Matthew McConaughey is kind of like this resistance leader within the South. And the South kind of having their own little mini civil war within the civil war. So anyhow, (laughs) it it shows... uh, Definitely a different part of history that I don't think gets covered a whole lot in, in, in the classroom and I think is probably being forgotten. It's definitely an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Or Sheezy. Well, my, my. Indeed. Uh, Steve. <gasps> yes. So I had the pleasure of playing Titanfall 2 with Big Baby Moose. Oh, snap. Uh, he has actually been quite involved in that game, which I was unaware of. I didn't think that he even owned Titanfall 2, but alas, he has, and he is very much experienced in it. So we played um, the, the multiplayer part of it, and it was my first time playing it, and I don't remember what it's called, but it's essentially, awesome. it, it's kind of like horde mode for Gears of War. Ah. Where it's like it's survival. Like yeah. you, you have these waves of enemies that come at you and you're trying to take them out. That sounds cool in Titanfall. Actually, it is. It's pretty cool. We had other players join us as well. And so um, I haven't played the game in quite some time. I remember I started to play the single player campaign when I first bought it. And then it was just one of those titles that has gone by the wayside. So it feels good to get back into it. And uh, I got to say the the weaponry in that game is really well thought out. Just 
from the the way it feels to the way it sounds. Oh yeah, um, I like the way it sounds. Even the the rack focus they do, where they they blur out certain parts of the foreground as well as um, other areas, give you that tunnel vision when you're going through the iron sight, so to speak. Sure. The game has a really cool feel to it. I'm gonna have to really give it a, a, a proper playthrough. Uh, just because everybody I've talked to, they, they say, oh, yeah, this is like way better than, than the first Titanfall. So getting through that in Horizon Zero Dawn, Uh-oh. I managed to hack into all of the tall heads, which I think I showed you one of them last time you were over here. They're pretty tall. They are pretty tall. Yes. And they have a very- tall necks. I think it's not tall heads, tall necks. Tall necks, flat heads. Flat heads. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I have also beaten all of the cauldrons. So I can now hack into every creature within Horizon. I'm very excited. I was actually testing it out, and it is so gratifying, dude. Like, all of the bigger beasts that I come across, normally I would just avoid them like the plague. Now I'm making a point to go right toward them, hack into one of them, and just watch them do, like, this huge WWF-style battle against each other. It's 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 pretty satisfying. When I hear the word uh, cauldron... What I think of is when I'm about to sneeze and the sneeze goes away, you're like, oh, I thought I was going to sneeze. What I see is like um, this cauldron, right, in my nose, and then like spices go, and like it flares up like in my nostrils, and that's what makes me like nearly sneeze. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would never have guessed that. I thought you were totally going to say something like, <laughs> I picture a witch and she's like <laughs> brewing something. Yeah. Like, oh, get you my pretty yeah, she's little like, dog. There you go. <laughs> she's the one who's brewing the cauldron. She's the one who puts like the magical dust boof, yeah. in there. And that's what makes me almost sneeze. It's the witch in my sinuses. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm still having a wonderful time through Horizon. I'm still going through. I, I decided to back up a bit and go back to the main story just because I'm now at level 24, and I hear that there are a total of, lo- of 50 levels in mm. Horizon. So I was looking at my, my progress in terms of the overall completion, and I'm like 30%. So I'm not even halfway done with the game, and I'm already halfway so through awesome. the levels. That's so cool. I need to back up a bit because I don't want everything to be just a complete right. breeze through. I've kind of decided to go my own way, which... It's pretty rewarding. It's the same thing like in The Witcher where you the can Witcher. you can go wherever you want to go. Exactly. And I it, love you, it. You kind of forge your own adventure. So rewarding. Way, Absolutely. So. In addition to that, I've been playing Overwatch with you. You didn't say it right. But well, I forgive sorry. you. I forgive you. Please say it for me, Steve. Overwatch. That's perfect. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just been enjoying that. Playing a little bit of Lucio Ball. Lucio Ball, I suck terribly at, but it is a way for me to try and get additional loot boxes. And since there are several costumes that I would love to score, I'm just going ahead and biting the bullet. And <laughs> keep trying. <laughs> oh, my tooth. <laughs> I do agree with you, though. I remember, the, I think it was a, it was the previous episode or the episode before that. You were talking about how they should have additional summer games mm-hmm. in the summer games 2017. I could right. not agree more. I think that, especially considering the fact that they've had a year to re-examine that, I think that it would have been really cool to have thought of other mini games to do within that whole uh you know, temporary game yeah. feature. So in terms of the movie stuff, I actually started watching the matrix again. Oh, I, I just was kind of cruising through Netflix and I saw it come up and I was like, 
Yeah. I haven't watched this in years. That is funny because the other night I saw it too and I added it to my list. I'm Did like, you really? I, yeah, because I don't have the Blu-ray of it. And I thought, man, that this movie has a lot of high def stuff and yeah. a lot of like real contrast, you know, rich blacks and yeah. stuff. Uh, and so I added it to my list, but go ahead. I haven't gotten too far into it. I basically stopped it when Neo gets rescued and he's realizing that there's uh, the real world versus the dream world. The real world. Yeah. <laughs> you take the blue pill. Um, and oh, uh, such a good movie. Oh, the Matrix rules. So here, here's the deal. Like in in the movie, so the, some of the special effects that I saw, like when Neo touches the mirror and all of a sudden it starts to like sure. drip onto his fingers and it's crawling up his yeah. arm and stuff. You could tell, like it's dated. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, however, doesn't the matter. game or in the game, the movie. <laughs> Is still a terrific movie. Absolutely, like, just freaking Luli. They cast everybody perfectly. One of the things that struck me was actually how young everybody is. Yeah. If you think about it, that movie came out. I want to say around 1999. I think that's when it yeah, came out. Yeah, no, that was a while ago. And what was crazy about it was Keanu Reeves and um, just all of them, and that they. You look at them and you're like, my gosh, like they're all youthful and healthy looking. Like they're just. 1999, you're right. Hey, I know my movies. Um, you know, Lawrence Fishburne just looks young and sprightly too. Like they, yeah. they had, I mean, I think Keanu was probably, I mean, like, let's see. Keanu is in his, I want to say his I early 50s. Yeah, now. pretty close. Yeah. So that would mean that he was probably about our age when he did the first Matrix movie. He was That's probably crazy. in his like mid to late 30s. Yeah. And you could tell, I mean, you watch and you're like, man, he looks like a baby. It's so weird because like, you know, you see him in John Wick and he looks obviously He looks older, older, but he doesn't look that old. Keanu Reeves no. is like one of those guys. He's like, he doesn't, looks, he's like defying age in yeah. a way. He's like a fine one. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, just, just looking at all the, the actors in there, it was just great. But it's just... To me, like the, the Matrix was such a quintessential Warner Brothers style movie, especially the first opening scene when Trinity is like running across those rooftops and you have the agent following with the cops and they're doing these crazy jumps and stuff. And just, I don't know, Warner Brothers has always had a cool, like a lot of movies that have that, that certain kind of set of photography, that certain kind of look that it's almost like film noir, but not, it's like an updated version of it, but just, I don't know, like the, just that kind of thing. I've, I've always been a big fan of that movie has the X factor. Yes. It. You know what I mean? I, yes. where it, it, it takes you for a ride the entire movie. There's no lull. There's no dull points. There's almost no bad parts in the film. Oh, it takes not, you not for, the first one. Oh, it takes you for a ride. And at the end, you feel like, whoa, wow, what a ride. You know what? The time went by really fast, but it was actually, you know, a well-produced movie. Yeah. I remember my last job. Excuse me, Rose. I'll let you continue in a minute. Oh, that's okay. I'll tell you something else. So my last job, uh, we were in the break room and I'm eating lunch and, and uh, we had the TV going cable and it was playing The Matrix. And mm -hmm. I was work, working with a lot of, you know, 20-something-year-olds and they're all like just, you know, eating, looking at the movie like, wow, this is interesting. Mm. I've never seen this before. And I look at it and I'm like, hey. Have you not seen this movie? Like, you know, I'm I'm pretty stoked that the Matrix is on TV right now. And they go, "This is the Matrix. What's the Matrix?" I'm like, "You never seen the Matrix?" Yeah. No. I'm like, "Oh my goodness, you have got to watch this movie." Yeah. There's, I think the same thing happened when like Terminator Two came out or something like that. I'm like, "You never seen this movie? Oh what my the Terminator! <laughs> yeah. oh, kids, and watch it." So anyhow, yeah, I just. <sighs> Such, such a, a cool, fashionable movie. I mean, just everything about it is just 
Oh, it's, it's one of those so movies. Good. I mean, you got to buy it and because you're going to watch it at least 20 times. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, even the scenes with like Hugo weaving. I mean, Hugo looks really yeah. young, too. You look at him and, yeah. and, you know, they're in the whole uh, interrogation sequence. I just love it. He does such a masterful job as Agent Smith. And I don't know. I, I got to keep watching it because I got to see all the fight scenes yeah. and just all the, the craziness that goes on during the second half of the film. But. Yeah, I just hadn't seen it in a long time. I'm like, yeah, I need I need to check into this again. And then, you know, I didn't like the the Matrix 2 and 3 as much as the first one. The first one was just perfect to me. Yeah. There were elements to the second and third ones that I did appreciate a lot, oh, but I feel the second, yeah. I felt as though like kind of the 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 fun factor, the magic, the yeah. magic was was somewhat diminished in the second and third ones, but anyway, maybe at some point in the future we can actually get more into yeah. the Matrix trilogy, but Yeah. Aside from that, I posted up some stuff on the uh, Joygasm Facebook page regarding the um, Infinity War. And I think you may have seen it, but it's uh, concept designs that were released and it shows kind of a group shot of the Avengers yeah. with Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. with Spidey. So cool. I, I'm telling you, dude, that is that right there is a Joygasm. You look at that and you're like, I am so lucky to be alive right now. This this type of event is something that we would fantasize about when, yeah. back when we were like in junior high. Yeah. Like we were talking about what would it take to like actually have a movie where you would combine all these characters together. And it's just it's unreal to be able to, to be living in the here and now and be like, I am witnessing this this historical event through pop culture as a result of you know, just, just the, the journey that, that, uh, Marvel studios has taken us on. And it's just, it's been such a fun ride considering, you know, actually, you know, I, we just talked about the matrix, the matrix came out before any of these comic book mm -hmm. movies were, were released. You know, when, um, what is it? The Tobey Maguire Spider-Man came out. I think that came out in like 2001, 2002, yeah, somewhere around, around there. Around. I think that maybe, maybe it was even 2002. Um, so if you think about it, I mean, the matrix came out in 1999, there were not any comic book oriented movies. And so the matrix was the closest thing to a comic book movie that, that the public could really get their hands on. Yeah. And they had a lot of those kind of superhero esque traits to it, that sort of thing. And so then now, you know, you fast forward to 2017 and you're just like, wow, there, there are just all these movies have been so well realized. So anyway, I, um, just want to make it a point to post that stuff up there. So if you folks haven't had a chance to actually check out some of that, just go to facebook.com slash TV and you will find lots of little visual goodies right there. <laughs> um, I do have some house cleaning that I wanted to let you guys know. You may have noticed that there was not a Joygasm episode that got dropped this past Friday. <laughs> and that is because um, we are going to be moving to having a Joygasm podcast be released once a week, every Monday, instead of two times a week. And the reason why we're doing this is because we realized that um, we weren't really playing very many games. We, we talk about it on the podcast, but we really haven't had a chance to be able to engage you guys um, as, it, as it relates to actually being able to sit down, play games, have you guys join up with us, party up, that sort of thing. So what we decided to do is that um, during the week, we are going to be allocating our time toward Twitch. And if you do a search for Joygasm TV, you'll find us there. 
and we're still kind of working out like the, the exact dates. We're going to have like a, a schedule. So that way you'll know precisely when it is, we'll be on there, but we just want to be able to engage the, the, the gaming community a bit better and actually have time sitting down and just being able to, to record ourselves playing, be able to post that up on YouTube and, and all that fun stuff. So the other thing too, is just that with regards to the podcast, um, there's just a lot of stuff that happens in life. You know, there's, there's just a lot of things going on with regards to just there being two of us. I, of course, having a family, that sort of thing. Um, I want to make sure that I can give you guys my best instead of my leftovers. And that's a, a really um, just con- like just a convicted thing that I wanted to be able to be 100% transparent with all of you. And I think, I think it's going to work out great just because I also noticed too, I think that folks who are into podcasts, they, they tend to listen to multiple podcasts. We realize that we are not the only ones that you listen to. We're definitely thrilled that you do listen to us. Uh, but I think that it's a little difficult for folks to be able to try and keep up with the latest episode. So Hopefully this will be able to be um, a little easier for everybody to, to digest and get to grips with. And as a result, will be an even better product. Plus your, uh, your energies can um, be expelled to bring everything up to date, Russ. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We can, <laughs> can see the finished product of your beautiful website and uh, we can have our YouTube go up at the same time that our podcast goes up as well as our SoundCloud going up. Exactly. And, that, and that's one of the big things too is just, is just the fact that I'm putting a ton of TLC into the Joygasm website. So when it goes live, uh, it'll be a, a terrific just outpost for us and uh, just be able to have folks be able to stop by, check us out, see what all the hoopla is about. And uh, like you said too, just, I want to be able to get all of our content um, uploaded simultaneously. So that way no platform is behind by a few days or whatnot. Russ, I think you should just admit that um, you're tired of me whipping you, like riding on your back, hanging on your shirt collar, (laughs) like, come on, let's go to the podcast. Let's get the YouTube up. (laughs) Because I'm not as learned as you are and all this stuff. So I can pretty much contribute nothing except ideas. Steve, you contribute a lot. (sighs) You contribute in hugs. (laughs) I like hugs. I love this guy. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, one more. Oh, Oh, that that got got out of there, yeah. I'm your amateur chiropractor. Well, having <laughs> said all that, what do you say we get into some gaming news, Steve? Huh? Let's do it. <laughs> to kick things off, Gamescom 2017, new Overwatch map and animated short coming next week. Yeah. <clears throat> Blizzard is going to Gamescom next week and will be bringing a new Overwatch map and animated short with it. A new map will be revealed in a preview video being shown on Monday, August 21st, while the new short will arrive two days later during a live stream Blizzard reveal ceremony on Wednesday, August 23rd. This will be the first new animated short. I'm pumped. A specific team Blizzard uses for its CG character centric mini movies since last year's Sombra introduction, Infiltration. Recently, director Jeff Kaplan indicated that the shorts will be returning for a second season, so this is hopefully just the beginning. Blizzard is bringing new content and events for most of its current games, slate to um, be represented at Gamescom. Let's see, we have Hearthstone. Hearthstone! Hearthstone! Thank you! We have a new Fireside Gathering features, including a playable group raid against the the Lich King. Excuse me. Hearthstone's Global <laughs> Games Finals take place on August 25th and 26th. Were you about to say the Lick King? I was. Yeah, this, yeah I'm a Lick King just likes to lick me all day. Yeah, what the my, heck? That's the name for my pit bull. <laughs> you know, I think I know the name of the new map. Well, hold that box. <laughs> <laughs> 
The next item on the list is World of Warcraft. New details on the upcoming 7.3 patch on Wednesday, August 23rd. World of Warcraft European Championship Finals take place throughout the event. We have Heroes of the Storm. A new hero will be announced on Monday, August 21st. Heroes of the Storm Showdown will be a live show, including fights between community personalities and the pros. And StarCraft 2 will also make a, a presence known with new co-op commander, which will be revealed on Monday, August 21st. Steve, what was your little map comment? <sighs> I think the new map is going to have something to do with uh, Roadhog and... Uh, and uh, oh, crap. What's the guy's name? Junkrat. Junkrat. Oh my gosh! I just I just pulled that out. Yeah, I think it's I think it's gonna be their hometown. And the reason really? and I, the reason I say that is because I was doing some digging on the the, the data mining PTR people, and uh, you know how Athena in the first map says, "Oh, you're welcome, welcome to King's Row." Yeah. Welcome to Gibraltar. Yeah. So she at one point Gibraltar. they heard they heard her say, "Welcome to Junkertown." Oh. So that might be it. That might not be it, but... Well, I'm hoping that perhaps they will tease another character. Yet another character to add hey. to the roster. You know what would be freaking sweet is that the ifs if they go, you know what? Since we're one big happy Overwatch family and we and you guys love all our content, we're going to announce a new animated series yeah. coming to you live on LTV. I'm like, yes! That would be cool, but Netflix I, I don't original. think that's going to happen. Yeah, I know. What can we hope? Splatoon 2 Switch Bundle headed to us. Next, Splatfest is also announced. John <laughs> Wilds reports, North American customers will finally be able to get the ridiculously fresh pink and green Splatoon 2-themed Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons in a Walmart-exclusive console bundle next month. The bundle, which launches on September 8th for $380 USD, includes a Nintendo Switch console complete with the neon pink and neon green Joy-Cons as well as a download code for Splatoon 2 and a carrying case. Additionally, Nintendo has announced that the next Splatfest will be all about which superhero power fans would want to have, flying or invisibility. The Splatfest will run from September 1st through the 2nd. The prior Splatfest, in which Team Mayo beat Team Ketchup, featured white and red ink, respectively, leading us to wonder how one might make an event that features invisible ink. But I'm dumb ching. That was according to, of course, <laughs> IGN. But uh, Splatoon actually is a game that I've seen previews for. I have a couple of friends who played it. They think it's a fun game. It's a, it's yet another game that I, once I actually get my hands on a Nintendo Switch, I'll probably pick up. Nintendo's just they're just they're killing it this this year. Actually, all companies really are are doing a fantastic job. I just can't believe the sheer amount of titles that are coming out that are all just AAA quality. But one particular. Triple A title, however, that will be delayed is Crackdown 3. <laughs> Originally planned for a November 7th release date, Microsoft has announced that Crackdown 3 has been delayed. Let's see, it looks like Loftus told Polygon, quote, we want to make sure to deliver the right game with the right quality, and at the right time, Crackdown 3 is a hugely ambitious game, and we want to ensure we deliver the right experiences all the way through every part of the game, whether that's campaign, co-op, multiplayer, or our competitive multiplayer mode, Wrecking Zone. Getting the balance right between the three modes is important, and we want to take the extra development time to ensure that. Gamers can expect Crackdown 3 in spring of 2018, end quote. <laughs> I've actually never played any of the previous Crackdowns, have you? 
I haven't. I, when it was coming out, I was really interested in it. And uh, I don't know if it was popular or not popular, but um, I lost sight of it. And out of sight, out of mind. I just kind of forgot. So, hmm. I know that our good old friend Brad is well, a big, big uh, fan of it. Yeah, of course. He plays everything. <laughs> Freaking Brad. <laughs> Let's get into movie news, shall we, Steve? So this is a bit of a sad notion, but Deadpool 2 stunt person dies on set. Police yeah, is investigating. Vancouver Police Department said a female died while performing a motorcycle stunt. And I know that um, Ryan Reynolds actually um, has been very vocal about his condolences to the family of uh, the lady and uh, just how the, the whole cast and crew has been affected by that. Obviously, Deadpool is a very f- popular movie. It's a very fun-filled movie, a lot of quips and stuff like that. Did somebody else pass also that was working on the movie? I remember like a few episodes back we were talking about it. I don't know if it was Deadpool 2 or something, but we were talking about how they should give condolences at the end of the movie, like at the credits. Yeah, I remember something about that. Yeah. I, I don't recall which... It was not Deadpool. Was it not Deadpool? Okay. No, this was the only... Um, accident that res- that resulted in a, a tragic death but yeah I, I remember us talking about it there was something else yeah. that was there but anyway moving right along Shazam is the next DC movie to shoot in an interview with Film Riot via Heroic Hollywood director David F. Sandberg confirmed the script for the movie is complete indicating it won't be too long now until production starts according to earlier reports filming should begin sometime early next year for a potential 2019 release Sandberg also revealed there were older versions of the script that featured Black Adam which if you recall or not recall Steve Dwayne Johnson was uh, really attached to the Black Adam um anyway it was in the film before the directed uh, before the director joined the project. However, Shazam has since been split into two movies, with Johnson getting his own standalone Black Adam film. Johnson, Johnson, <laughs> what's that in this guy? He looks like a big Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> he goes by the Rock, but instead, his real name is Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> this next story is a big one. This is one I'm not sure if even you've heard of, Steve, but I am very excited about, and I want to subscribe to it. The headline is Movie Pass drops price to $9.95, which draws anger from partner AMC Theaters. Ooh. Check it out. Jonathan Dornbush reported that you can now see a movie per day in theaters for under $10 a month. Hey. But the new subscription price point from the Movie Pass service has caused one of the company's partners to consider opting out of the program. MoviePass announced its new price point yesterday, allowing interested buyers to subscribe into the service for $9.95 a month. Users then download an app and are mailed a debit card, which allow users to check in to a movie at partnered theaters once a day and see one movie every day. Effectively, the service now pays for itself with one movie viewing in many parts of the United States. Those who already subscribed will automatically be adjusted down to that price on their next bill. So, so, so it's not like it's, you have to, you have to, there's no minimum. It's just, you have to see at least one movie. This is essentially the Netflix model for $10 a month. You can go every day of a month and watch one movie per day. That is crazy. Think about that. I mean, if you go to just see one movie, it essentially costs you 10 bucks. Right. And the thing is too, well, finish your thought, finish your thought. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the, the the final note I have on here is that the but the changes brought the ire of AMC theaters, which released a press release noting that the company is quote 
consulting with its attorneys to determine if or how AMC can prevent a subscription program offered by MoviePass from being used at AMC theaters in the United States, end quote. Why this is a good thing is, A, because it's going to draw more people to the movie theater to see movies in the theater. And movie theaters are already struggling for cash as it is, which right. is why the popcorn and the snacks and the, everything else is so high priced. We just figured that out when we uh, went to Dunkirk the other day. So if I'm going to go see a movie and it's, it's going to be for free, A, I'm going to be the theater more often, and B, I'm going to be more willing to spend on refreshments and sure. snack bar and everything, which is actually how the theater is going to make more money in the long run. Not necessarily by more movie tickets, right. but for sure by the snack bar. That's why it's a good thing. It's a huge game changer. I, I, and I think that folks who are part of the, uh, the the theater industry, the movie industry, I think that they're having to wrap their minds around it because... Like to, you, like, to your point, you were talking about how the, the food is what the theaters sell to, in order to really make their money. They don't yeah. really make a ton of money on the tickets. Yeah. You know, that's more of the studios. So I think the movie studios would have... I'm actually surprised that AMC is one who's objecting more to this. Yeah. I would think that uh, um, all the movie studios would be up in arms about this because that could potentially be problematic in terms of their overall profits. Yeah. Uh, but I totally want to subscribe, get a debit card because I mean, there are movies, especially this summertime, there are so many movies out that I would totally see more, you know, more than once. Mol I mean, Wonder Woman yeah. is a prime example. Guardians, Guardians of, the of the Galaxy, Galaxy Volume yeah. 2, Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are tons of them that I would go see like three or four times if it, if it meant that it was just basically like, yeah, I'm paying 10 bucks a month. I can yeah. see whatever movie I want per day. And the thing is too, um, if I, I, I might be wrong, but I think the way, if I remember correctly, is for the first, let's let's say a movie comes out. I think for the first two weeks altogether, yeah. the theater makes no profit, zero profit on the movie. It all goes to the the studio. Who, Where'd you hear about that? I heard it a while ago. Um, I, I, I learned that like around 2000. We'll put a disclaimer so. in here saying yeah, that that may why, be that's incorrect. Why I said, I, that's why I said, if I remember correctly, I might yeah. be wrong. That's why I said that. Yeah. Um, but I'm almost positive. And that's why they rely so heavily on the, on the refreshment center is because they don't make hardly any, any profit for the first two weeks. Sure. If you see the movie after the first two weeks, then they start to make up that, but that all the hype is gone. So they're not going to get as big of a, a crowd. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It tracking to have biggest St Stephen King movie opener ever. Variety reports a $50 million weekend would make it the best opening ever for a movie based on King's work as well as the biggest September debut of all time. The month's current record holder is Hotel Transylvania 2 at $48 million. Variety notes sources quote, close to the studio, end quote, believe the $50 million figure is too high especially considering the film's R rating. And quote, an opening in the $40 million range is more likely, end quote. Even then, it would nearly double 1408's current opening record for a King movie, which stands at $20.6 million, according to Box Office Mojo. Have you seen those uh, those trailers for, for It? I can't, I hate that trailer. I, I it, That thing's spooky. <laughs> Especially like the end of the trailer. I forgot what the kid says, but th th there's another kid looking for the other kid in the, in the sewer. Yeah. And he starts repeating something a lot. Like, I, I can't do it. And I hate clowns too. Clowns spook me. I <laughs> freak me out. Well, it looks like, like the forehead of the clown it. Like it looks like it's like it's an extended forehead. Like it yeah. looks unnaturally big. I can't, I can't do it. Mission Impossible 6 production on hold due to Tom Cruise injury. Yeah. Paramount has confirmed to IGN that Cruise broke his ankle. Ouch. 
while performing a stunt and that production has halted until he is fully recovered. It'll grow back. The full... (laughs) (laughs) Tis many a flesh wound. The full statement reads, quote, During production on the latest Mission Impossible film, Tom Cruise broke his ankle while performing a stunt. Production will go on hiatus while Tom makes a full recovery and the film remains on schedule to open July 27th, 2018. Tom wants to thank you all for your concern and support and can't wait to share the film with everyone next summer, end quote. Variety reports, the actor may have broken his ankle in two places and hurt his hip after failing to leap across a building gap. Sources have estimated a pause in production to variety of between six weeks to three months. Any further delay could also potentially impact the release and filming of the recently announced Top Gun sequel, Maverick, which is currently slated to hit theaters on July 12th of 2019, according to the initial report. Thanks a lot, Tom. Just go ahead and go break your ankle, why don't you? Thanks. Well, that's another actor. He's in his 50s. (laughs) It's like, what are you doing jumping across like building rooftops? That's called respect. Yeah. <laughs> do his own stunts, man. And he does. He yeah, does all of his no, own stuff. Sure, That's yeah. crazy. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we can't get enough of Patty Jenkins. She's close to closing historic Wonder Woman 2 deal. As we all knew. Lucy O'Brien reports Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins is in final negotiations to helm the sequel. Deadline reports that the reason behind this came down to Jenkins' negotiations about her salary after Wonder Woman was such a smash hit for Warner Brothers, stating that Jenkins has been fighting for a salary on par with the male director in the wake of such a successful first film. As she should. As of Thursday evening, the deal was being finalized, and if it goes through... Jenkins will reportedly be the highest paid female director in Hollywood. Cool. There you have it. Man, good, making us, make us another good movie, Jenkins. Please. Last, but certainly not least, Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi standalone film reportedly in the works. Is this guy pumped? Yes. Yes, he is. Jonathan Dornbush reports a standalone Obi-Wan Kenobi Star Wars film is reportedly in the works and a possible director is supposedly in early talks for the project. Sources have told The Hollywood Reporter that an Obi-Wan Kenobi film project currently has no script or stars attached to it, but Billy Elliot, director of Stephen Daldry, is reportedly in early talks to helm the film. I've never heard of this guy, but I'll have to do some background research. Obi-Wan, you're our only hope. If he signed on, according to The Hollywood Reporter, he would oversee the development and scripting of the film. THR's report mentions that Lucasfilm is continuing to reportedly look into developing Yoda and Boba Fett films, among other spinoff Star Wars entries. Boba or Boba? (laughs) The talks for (laughs) Daltry's involvement are at very early stages, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Kenobi. I wonder if he needs Ben Kenobi. Is that like the surfer version of Luke Skywalker? Yeah. Oh, bro. Is that like Ben Kenobi? Do you like know anybody by the name of Obi-Wan? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, I, I feel a little uh, resurgence uh, developing inside me. Do you, Steve? What? Do, do you feel the, the hairs on the back of your neck raising? Yes, I do. Are you getting goose pimples on your arms for not pimples? No reason. I don't see any whiteheads, Ross, but there is some bumps. Well, I think it's because we've reached the topic of the day. Oh, it's been a good night, 
sleep. I can take on the world. Yes. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I feel like it's Friday. And I just got out of work. And I'm going to take a vacation for like three months. Oh, man. I never get tired of that. It's so good. I feel like I'm walking out of the office, tie blown in the wind. Yes. You know what's so good? Let's listen to it again, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Get me where they go. No traffic on the way home. No cops. 100 miles an hour. Whisk a wipe up in your arms and give her a big smooch. I'm invincible. Yes. I've beaten Brad's gamer score. Man, you can have the crappiest day in the world. You pop that on, and suddenly you're just on top of the world. Well, the topic of the day is Sonic Mania impressions. Hmm. Steve and I sat down on the old couch, and we popped in Sonic Mania, which I downloaded for Xbox One. Simultaneously launched Twitch. Oh, that's right. Well, that was the first time we actually did a little testy test on the Twitch. Twitchy Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> Twitchy Twitch. <laughs> and we were able to, to broadcast. I think, I think we did like a 45-minute broadcast, and it was cool. It was just to enable us to get to grips with the Twitch platform, and uh, but also just have a whole lot of fun with the blue blur. <clears throat> we didn't tell anybody we were going to do it either, but... Well, we intentionally didn't because we wanted to actually make sure everything was working correctly. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't want to like broadcast it, and then all of a sudden everyone shows up, and we're like, "Yeah, I, I just I can't. No, they can see us, but they can't yeah. hear us. No, 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 they can hear us, but they can't see us." It's funny because we actually got eleven followers from nowhere, and <laughs> and then we were, I was like slumped over on the couch, like you know, enjoying myself, just totally relaxation mode. And then you pointed at the screen like, oh my gosh, Ron, like the connect <laughs> finally loaded up the video and we're like slumped over totally Quit casual sucking style. Our guts. Yeah. <laughs> look, look sexy. Put some chill on your hair quick. This is just um, not going to work. But that was funny though. I, I hope people have had a good time watching us and hearing us and yeah. watching the Sonic gather all his bling. So this is something that I think I'll start off with this time. Uh, Why don't you do that, Russ? I am a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan. I'm a huge watching you play Sonic the Hedgehog fan. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. So the, for those of you that don't know, both Steve and I have been huge diehard Sega fans growing up. When we were kids, we got the Sega Master System, the Sega Game Gear, the Sega Genesis, Sega CD, Sega 32X, Sega Saturn, Sega Dreamcast. So... Sega! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so one of the interesting journeys that we've witnessed over the last decade or two is that Sonic has really had an identity crisis. Back in the day, Sonic was the flagship title that moved consoles. It was the killer app title that Sega relied on. It was Sega's mascot. And I, for one, really did enjoy the first Sonic the Hedgehog. The first one I bought, I actually remember saving up my money. I was in sixth grade, I believe at the time. And we went to the mall and we had to actually go to a Macy's of all places. That's right. Yeah. Friggin' Macy's. And Macy's, you know, we're, we're trying to like 
figure out where their electronics department is. There was no GameStop. There, no, there was no GameStop. Back in the day, you had like software, et cetera. Yep. You had- Electronics uh, Boutique. Boom! Actually, Electronics Boutique what came out a little bit later. It yeah, was, that it was, was only like a CD. It was Babbage's and Software, et cetera. Babbage's. Oh, yeah, I remember Babbage's. <laughs> yeah, way back in the day. I think one was like on the top floor of the mall and the other one was yeah. on the top, bottom floor. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, the rivals. But um, it was so cool. I, I, I just remember vividly, this is one of the, the memories of it was just, just sealed away in my, my heart of hearts. But I remember going to the counter. I had this uh, this glass counter, and they had like different types of games and other electronics and stuff. And up on the TV, the one of those old school yeah. CRT monitor uh, style TVs, they had Sonic the Hedgehog playing. And back in the day, sixteen bit was king. And I remember just being absolutely floored because I had you know watched and read all of the articles from like Game Pro magazine and Electronic Gaming Monthly, and you know the, we didn't have. Um, YouTube or or any other types of video capability back then in the online days. That was back in the the dial up days. So it took I, you like ten minutes just to load a three second video. <laughs> well, and, and it was just crazy. Like back well back in the day, there were no there wasn't any video back then. It was all purely like JPEGs. Like if you <laughs> had if you had like a I don't know a 640 by 480 JPEG or an 800 by 600 JPEG. I mean, it would take you a little while for it to actually get through everything, but <laughs> little by little. Yeah. You, it's like line by line. <laughs> and it, it's like totally pixelated. <laughs> so you get down to the bottom, you think it's done. All of a sudden it starts going from the top down again and it's, it's like yeah. refining itself. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> oh, I can see something. <laughs> so I remember looking up at the TV and I remember seeing Sonic in action and just being absolutely blown away by the graphics, by the music, just how fast and fluid everything was. I knew this was something special as a kid back in the day. And I remember just um, clutching that, that, that box, the gaming box of it in the car on the way home and just opening it up and just uh, looking at the cartridge um, art on there as well as the box art, the, the instruction manual back when, you know, we actually had instruction manuals showing you how to play the game. And I played that game just, I don't even know how many hours I sunk into that game, but I played that game start to finish so many times. It was so fun. Got all the Chaos Emeralds, got the perfect ending, had the had fun with like the level select, you know, up, down, left, right, A start. Still remember that. Um, <laughs> and the subsequent sequels that had come out afterwards were also really good, like Sonic 2, Sonic 3, and Sonic and & Knuckles. And if you recall, Sonic & Knuckles actually had a pretty slick approach to the cartridge where you could actually plug in like Sonic 2 or Sonic 3 onto the top of the Sonic & Knuckles cartridge and you'd actually unlock certain features and abilities in previous games. So you could go back and have replayability with those games. It was brilliant. After that, you had like Sonic CD, and that was that was by far one of the best. I would say Sonic CD is really high up there. And once Sonic made his trek into 3D, um, that's when things started to go south, in my opinion. Now, the first 3D game that came out for Sonic was Sonic Adventure for the Dreamcast. And that actually, in a lot of ways, was a success. It was a really cool um, approach to the game. I really did enjoy a lot that it had to offer for the time. However, I started to notice a concerning pattern, which was that Sonic was starting to live within the human world. 
and I felt that that was problematic because there were, you know, like in Sonic Adventure in between levels and stuff, like he'd be running through a city, like, yeah. like, a, like a San Francisco city or something. And I'm thinking Sonic the Hedgehog lives in this fantasy tropical paradise. You know, it's, it's in a very much a, a fantasy world. Why is he all of a sudden, you know, existing in these places that actually has humans and his, his home is Green Hill Stage One. Green Hill Zone. <laughs> Green <Yes>. Hill Zone. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, just just watching that happen. And unfortunately, it got worse and worse as time gone on. I, I did enjoy Sonic Adventure. I thought that was a really cool Dreamcast title. However, Sonic Adventure 2 started to, to go away from that. And then also um, the, the, the later games that came out afterwards just really didn't do the franchise any favors. And it was unfortunate because Sonic is such a cool design. It's such a cool character design, the levels and stuff, the way that they're, that they are designed to just have fun with speed, being able to sometimes get him fast enough where all of a sudden it seems like the screen can't keep up with him. I well, thought that was just great. Sonic was revolutionary in that sense where nothing we had ever played before or seen before had moved that fast. Right. And they actually advertised that one feature. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to look for the advertisement on YouTube and I'll post it to the Facebook page, Rose. Oh, thank you, Steve. Uh, but um, Sonic even today is like fast. When you're playing the game, I'm like, you know, it's it's fast for even today. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's partly why I enjoyed watching you play it is because when I played it, I would kind of lose track of what's happening and where I'm going and like, you know, when to jump or whatever. I thought, okay, I can only do so much. I'm going to watch you play and enjoy it from here on out. Now, there was a title called Sonic Generations that came out for Xbox 360. I don't know if it came out for PS3 as well, but that actually was a big step into the right direction because you had certain travesties like, like I can't remember what it's called, but it was like basically Sonic turning into a werewolf or something. And it was just awful. And there were other titles too that just you had issues with trying to maintain your speed and there'd be collision detection issues where all of a sudden you just stop running at full speed yeah, and you have to start from scratch again or just, just weird approaches to, to the game itself. And it just, you know, you're, you're really alienating your audience at that point. So Sonic Generations is, is actually a game that I, I've, I've almost beaten. I need to go back to it and keep playing, but yes, it had a lot of levels that I really enjoyed where they, they combined the old school Sonic in kind of a 2.5 D fashion with more of the current modern Sonic of 3D, but they did a lot of things right. There were a couple levels that were like, eh, they're okay. But for the most part, I was like, yes, this is this is exactly what needs to happen. So fast forward to Sonic Mania, and Sonic Mania is a complete love letter to the 16-bit days of Sonic the Hedgehog. I have not beaten the game. Um, I've gotten, I think through about four of the levels there I've gotten through Green Hill, Chemical Plant, Studiopolis and I think I'm currently on Flying Battery. And what's great is that apparently there are other levels including Press Garden, Stardust Speedway, uh Hydro City, Mirage Saloon, Oil Ocean, Lava Reef, Metallic Madness, Titanic Monarch and you know of course then the special stages. Um there's another one that's called something like Egg Reverie. Sure. Reverie. Egg Reverie. Something like that. Anyway, a ton more for us to be able to, to explore and enjoy. Um, but 
so far, I'm absolutely enjoying it. I think it's terrific. I think it's great that it's getting the attention that it has been receiving from IGN and GameSpot and Polygon and Kotaku. I mean, everybody, um, even like like when I listen to podcasts, I listen to like kind of funny um, on um, uh, my my iPhone. Everyone has nothing but praise for this title. And so for us to be able to sit down and, and play it, I see what they're talking about. E- even like the intro, we actually have it playing on loop um, as we're recording this podcast. So I glance over to it every now and then, but <clears throat> um, they have like this great cartoon 2d anime style intro and it just throws back to the Sonic CD days. You know, I, that was one of the things I was um, loved as well as uh, Sonic adventure. It's one of the things that they did right. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I can't believe that they were able to harness the magic of what made Sonic great in the first place. Reintroduce the uh, soul of Sonic. Yeah, and I love too how they made their focus just on Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles. Yeah, I think that's great because for a while there, they started to just introduce all these different characters and... I felt like it was just, it was muddying the waters too much. It was like, wait, why are, why do we have all these characters now back in the Sonic and knuckle days, they actually came out with quite a few characters. And I did feel like, like, like that was um, successful in its approach. But since that time, it's like, they didn't know what to do with the characters. Um, so it's cool that they have this focus on it. And, and perhaps if they do a sequel to Sonic mania, they can bring in a couple of the other characters as well, as long as they have unique gameplay attributes you know, assigned to them. Um, this, this game actually gives me hope for the other Sonic game called Sonic Forces coming out. And I think it's supposed to come out this year as well, but that's more of a current gen title. Uh, I saw a little bit of it at, at E3 and so hopefully that'll be good. But what are your thoughts on it, Steve? <sighs> well, it's just, it's from my point of view as watching it, you play, not necessarily playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think it's a, a fun fest. Partly because the music is enjoyable. They, they, they I don't know if they made new music for this they game. Did. They yeah. did. Okay, well, they did a great job of like uh, combining the old MIDI type music with today's standards, but not necessarily making it with all instruments sort of thing, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I channel me back to back then uh, where I did enjoy the music in the game. Sometimes in games, you if, if there's an evil level you're on, it's just kind of like, nah, 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 kind of just drones <laughs> on. But, you know, sometimes when it's not so evil of a level, kind of like Green Hill Zone, it's, it's a very happy place. And the music is very happy too. And you kind of want to be <laughs> happy when you play the game because it leaves you happy. Well, and, and they throw Common back theme. to... Uh, kind of the 90s style music too. Yeah. That was something that we were commenting on was that they really just went full throttle into your rehashing what made Sonic so memorable from yeah. the 90s. And there are apparently lots of Easter eggs throughout the game that I haven't discovered yet, but there are lots of little things like <clears throat> apparently there's like a level where you can um, figure out a place where it says Genesis does, <laughs> you know, and for those of you who weren't around during that time, Sega had a big advertising campaign called Genesis does what Nintendo don't. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of little things like that, I, you know, once again, it, it was completely designed from the ground up as like a love letter to the fans of Sonic, because right. I think for so long people have just been 
hoping for a proper Sonic game. And I got to tell you, even though it's it's decidedly, you know, you know, the more of the pixely 16-bit style graphics, it's pretty crazy to play it on a 60-inch TV. Exactly. And in not have any black bars whether right. it be on the top or the sides. I mean, it's a full 1920 by 1080p experience. And I think that that's super cool to be able to play a Sonic game like that. I also think it's it's a wonderful thing for them to bring in certain cherished and celebrated levels from the previous Sonic games, but then update them in such a way that you actually don't have a layout of the map at all. Yeah. And that's what's great too, is as I was playing through like the new Green Hill Zone or the Chemical Plant Zone, um, I couldn't just rely on my my instincts of remembering, oh yeah, I go here and then I go there <laughs> and then I, you know, whatever. Like, it, it, and it was um, also done in such a way too where it was smartly done, like just from, from a, from a, a level design standpoint, it wasn't like they just threw in a bunch of random paths that you could take. It actually just a lot of it just made a lot of sense and it, it encouraged me to want to go back through those levels and try out the different areas just to see where I, where it would take me. And it got me thinking a lot about how platformers have been kind of stigmatized up until recently in the, within the gaming community. And I think it, it came from the, the idea that when we had 32-bit systems get released, you know, it was, it was the dawn of a new age when it came to um, just the, the 3D polygonal environments. And so um, polygons were the, the darling of the industry. Everybody wanted to learn how to create a 3D world. And as a result, <laughs> you really saw this, I don't know, like, like whether it was articles I was reading in magazines or, or I was looking at stuff online, you really had, um, this general movement away from platform games. And it was almost like, like just even to say, Oh, it's a, it's a platformer, you know, that was kind of like just dirty or something. Not to mention the fact that like, it was pretty commonplace to, to see, a journalist write, quote, not another platformer. Mm. I remember reading that quite a bit. Um, and so what ended up happening was that we kind of went away from that. And I think just recently we've, we've started to come back into that a bit more in the sense that I could argue that um, games like Horizon Zero Dawn, even though it's an adventure game, there are a lot of platform elements to it. The same thing with like Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, of course, Ratchet and Clank is a bonafide platformer and it has been very successful as a result. So what's interesting to me is seeing a lot of these, these other titles that back in the heyday were a big deal. Like for instance, Crash Bandicoot just, just came back Crash out Bandicoot, again yep. and has been getting um, some, some praise for that. You know, people have been enjoying playing through it and apparently it's, it's, it might actually make an appearance on the Xbox platform as well. I'm not sure if that's going to see the light of day or not, but um, I'm glad to see that Sonic Mania demonstrates successfully that if you put the correct thought into the layout of the level and how the characters interact with that, it doesn't matter if, if it's a retro game or a next gen title. I mean, it just, that's the, that's the foundation that you lay for a platformer style game. And then pretty soon everybody will be loving it and playing it and wanting more of it. So. Russ, that whole entire time. One thing I'm thinking about is, um, Sonic once you've collected like 99 rings 
and then like one little turtle or spiky turtle or something like that gets you in the wrong play and sticks you and then Sonic jumps in the air and 99 rings go <laughs> I don't know it's almost like in slow motion and you're going no because you just collected uh-huh. 99 rings almost got what was an extra life or something yeah you get extra life but I think even that back in the day was pretty revolutionary because that was a lot happening on screen at one point oh yeah um, which you know there's no disc moving there's no laser or reading anything it's just all little computer chips I think all the rings were like spinning too, which was hard uh-huh. for the system to compute. All those animated GIFs. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I think what's important in the level design, especially for Sonic the Hedgehog, is different components that make him go fast or fly through the air. Mm-hmm. And were you playing the, you, you were playing the chemical plant when yeah. I was here, right? Yeah. So yep. you had all these different hydraulic things. You had <clears throat> springs. You had little like pinball style uh, pungs. <laughs> Uh-huh. I don't know what they're called, little the bumpers. bumpers or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you could see Sonic jump on all over the place. It wasn't about him just running around and and uh, poofing his little furry buddies out of the uh-huh. you know, you know, contraptions, uh, robot contraptions. Um, but that was partly enjoyable too. And I was more so for me anyway. Was seeing Sonic jump all over the place at high speed. You know, it wasn't just him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, you get a, a really great sense of velocity and inertia. Yeah. And, and I also really appreciated Dr. Robot Nick. I'm glad to see him come back because it just seemed like like he took kind of a back seat. Yeah. And to me, the formula for Sonic is so straightforward and simple. It's just create multiple levels that exist in this kind of fantasy world. Don't don't place it in a human world because that's just weird. It just breaks the, yeah. the visual design. You're like, what the heck is going on? And don't have them interact with people. Just keep it to <laughs> animals. Have the only like human-esque, humanoid character as Dr. Robot Nick. And on top of that, just have, like you said, like have levels designed in such a way that celebrates speed. Yeah. Do it in a way that just, it makes it in some, certain ways predictable and other ways unpredictable, but never have a moment where all of a sudden you're going at a snail's pace. You need, yeah. you need to be able to play with that back and forth. And I love too, just how um, the boss battles that I've, I have witnessed so far, just harken back to just those great 16 bit boss battles of the heyday. And I just feel like we need more of that. As I think about it um, with like current gen and next gen systems, just having boss fights like that, but using more of a um, a current game engine. I mean, you could have some epic boss battles. And it goes back to kind of one of our earlier podcast episodes where we talk about games we'd like to see for next gen. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like one of the, the titles I think about is Contra 3. Like, it'd be so awesome to have a next gen title of Contra where like you have these larger than life bosses and just, just the ridiculous over the top action of like, how would that look? How, what kind of experience could you, could you pull from that? So yeah, I'm, I'm going to be having a lot of fun playing through the rest of Sonic mania. And, um, and also just, just trying to find all the Easter eggs and replaying through it. And then, like I said, it gives me a lot of hope that Sonic forces will be a good game once that gets released too. I think they did a good thing where they had Dr. Robot Nick not always come out in a new robot or a new contraption that you had to jump and hit all the time. Sure. And at the end of the level, before I left that night, you were facing him and it was this Tetris style match where there was no jumping. There was no like, you know, trying to bump him on his, on his robot. It was like, okay, who's going to win the Tetris battle and whoever wins the Tetris battle between Sonic and Dr. Robot Nick is going to win the match basically. And you're going to move on to the next zone. So I, mean, I was just kind of creative, their own little take on Tetris, and and uh, you know, it was it was just 
original. Oh, it was different. great. Yeah. Well, it reminded me of kind of Columns, too. Right. Yeah, I, it's so far, it's it's just been a wonderful romp through. So um, I'll probably have more comments about that in, in the future episodes as we go along and, uh, and we cover what I've been playing lately. Anyway, I believe that about wraps it up for this episode. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to show us some love, you can find us on Twitter at TV and Facebook.com slash TV. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash TV or search TV on YouTube. And no matter which platform you use, as always, please drop us a subscription, thumbs up, or a review because it helps us build awareness. And that's what we're all about around here. So until next time... <gasps> Happy gaming. Ciao.